Well, again, I'm so glad that you guys are here, and I want to go ahead and answer a question that I know some of you are asking. Not everybody, but some of you are asking, does Pastor Jeff know what time it is? <laughs> yes, he does. And can he really, you know, share this message, give this talk in the next 20 minutes? Can he do so? And the answer to that is yes. And some of you are going to say, when that happens, I'm going to know the days of miracles are not over. <laughs> and they are not. And uh, we're going to look at some things together. I'm so glad you're here. You know, there was nobody that led like Jesus led. There was nobody that loved like Jesus loved. There was nobody that could teach the way that Jesus could teach. And when Jesus taught, it changed lives. And uh, in this series that we've been engaged in for the last four weeks, today being the fifth week, we've been looking at the Beatitudes. And Jesus' most famous message ever, he has at the very beginning of it, these eight attention-grabbing statements that he makes. And Jesus says, if you will do these eight things, then here's what's going to happen. I'm going to bless your life. You're going to find yourself being so incredibly blessed, and you personally are going to be exceedingly happy. Because when Jesus says blessed are those, it means happier are those in many respects. And so we've been looking at these together, and, and let me just, and these are not on the screen, but I want to just for uh, very brief review purposes, mention the four that we've looked at uh, so far. And you know that they're important if they're at the very beginning of Jesus' most famous message. And Jesus starts it out in this way, Matthew 5, 3, Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then the very next verse, the second beatitude, God blesses those people who grieve for they will find comfort. Uh, many of you know this. I've mentioned it the last couple of weeks that I would have never dreamed in a million years that I would share that second beatitude just five days after my mom's funeral and found that God is true to his word and God will bring comfort to those who grieve. And then a couple of weeks ago, we looked at this one, Matthew 5, 5, the third one. Blessed are those who are gentle, for they will inherit the earth. Last week, Matthew 5, 6, the fourth one. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they are going to be filled. And then this fifth one, and it's incredibly important, and we're going to talk about it in the next few moments. I want you to look at it with me, and let's all read it together. Here we go. This is Matthew 5, 7, all of us reading together. God blesses those people who are merciful. They will be treated with mercy. God blesses merciful people. And they're going to be treated in the same way that they have treat, treated others. So God wants you and I to do this. He wants us to be merciful people. And furthermore, he says, if you do this, you're going to be blessed. You do what I've told you to do, you're going to be blessed. If you're merciful to other people, you're going to be blessed because you're going to find that I'm going to be merciful to you. And yet it still begs the question, God, by the way, is not put off. He's not outraged with a question. It's, it's a good question. Well, why should we be merciful to people? Why should we be merciful to other people? That's a very, very important, um, you know, question. Why? And, and I want to just give this to you briefly. I, I want to give you a f few reasons why, straight out of the Bible, this is not my opinion, straight out of the Bible, why we should be merciful to others. The first one being, we should be merciful to others because God has shown mercy to us. God says, I want you to be merciful because I've been merciful towards you. Look at these two verses out of Ephesians 2. This is what God said. But God's mercy is so abundant. He's speaking through the Apostle Paul and his love for us so great. How many of you are glad of that? 
that his mercy is abundant, his love is great, that while we were spiritually dead, before we became a Christian, when we were maybe even a rebel, when we were far from God, from God, even when we were spiritually dead in our disobedience, what did he do? He brought us to life with Christ. And then Paul said, it is by God's grace that you have been saved. So God says, here's why I want you to be merciful to other people. I want you to be merciful to them because I've been merciful to you. And in fact, friends, if you were to look in the totality of the Bible, in God's Word, you would see literally hundreds of verses that talk about God's love and God's grace and God's mercy. And God is saying, this is what I want you to do. I want you to pass along to other people the very same mercy that I've given to you. And one day Jesus is uh, teaching and he's going to tell a story because he wants people to really understand this. He wants them to really get it and put it into practice. So Jesus said, to help you better understand why you need to be merciful, let me tell you about an unmerciful employee. And he tells this story and all the people are listening. And he said, one day there's this boss that comes to this unmerciful employee. And this employee owns the boss, owes the boss a lot of money. And so, you know, he sort of looks at that. He says, hey, this guy's never paid me what he owes me. And so the boss goes to this unmerciful employee, and and he's going to have him punished. He's going to have him put into prison until he can pay off his debt. And yet, what does this employee do? He begs, he pleads, he asks for mercy, and incredibly so does the boss say, well, you know what? I I think I will do that. I think I will extend some mercy to you. And he took what was a massive, massive debt, and he looks at the guy and he says, you're forgiven. The debt's obliterated. There's now zero balance on the books now. And so Jesus continues with the story. He said, one day, this same employee who's been extending mercy from the boss to him, goes out, he's walking, and he sees this guy who owes him money. But by comparison, it is a microscopic amount when compared to what he owed the boss. And so he looks at this guy. He says, hey, dude, where, I mean, pay up. You owe me this money, and I want you to give it to me right now. And what does the man do? Jesus is telling the story. He said that the man did the very same thing that this guy had done with his boss, and, he's, and he pleads for mercy. He says, hey, be patient with me, and I'll pay off the debt. Just, just demonstrate some mercy. And Jesus says the guy refused to do it, and he had this guy who owed him, by comparison, a tiny amount of money thrown into prison until he could pay off his debt. Jesus said, this guy got it all wrong. In fact, he continues with the story, and he says, the boss hears what this guy has done, how that he's taken this, this guy who owed him a little, and he's been forgiven him so much. And so he takes him, and he casts him in prison until he could pay off. And Jesus said, I want you to be merciful because I have been merciful to you. In fact, Jesus concludes that story by saying, you, speaking of the unmerciful employee, should have had mercy on your fellow servant just as the boss had mercy on you. What is Jesus saying? Just as God's been merciful to you, you've got to be merciful to other people. Here's another reason why we should be merciful. It's an obedience issue because God commands it. God doesn't say, hey, I want to just kindly suggest to you. He doesn't say if you get around to it, hey, if you think it's a good idea, then I want you to be merciful to other people. That is not what God does. God commands that we would be merciful to other people. And so it's an obedience issue. I want you to look at this verse right up here on the screen. This is out of the Old Testament. It's Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? Keep that up there, guys, for just a moment. 
I mean, just look at what God is saying. God is saying, if you really want your life to be blessed, if you really want your life to move in the right direction, if you really want to know my goodness upon your life, then you obey me in these three areas. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to act justly. I want you to treat people with fairness. I want you to be equitable in how you treat other people. You act justly and you love mercy. You extend mercy to other people and you walk with me. In fact, he tells us how to walk with him. Walk humbly with me. Who should we be? Why should we be merciful? Because God commands that we should be merciful. Here's another reason. We should be merciful, and this is a really, really big one. We should be merciful because one day we're going to need some serious mercy extended to us. We are. How many of you know all of us are going to one day stand before a righteous and holy God? All of us. And listen, how many of you are like me? I'm telling you, when I stand before God, I'm going to need a lot of mercy. I I really am. And you're going to need a lot of mercy. And uh, I know what some of you are are, are thinking. Really, are you trying to tell me, Jeff, that, you know, the measure that I extend mercy to other people or withhold mercy from other people, that that's somehow going to be, you know, evaluated on judgment day? Is that what you're trying to tell me, Jeff? And some of you may be be in fact saying, I don't really believe that. You know, you say that because you're supposed to say it, or that's the kind of talk that pastors do. But I don't really believe, I don't really believe that I'm going to be evaluated by God, you know, at the end of time based on how merciful I've been to other people. Well, let me just tell you why I believe it. I believe it because the Bible says it. And I want you to look at this verse right here on the screen. This is James 2.13, and that is exactly what it says So you must show mercy to others, or God will not show mercy to you when he judges you. But the person who shows mercy, that's what God wants you and I to do. That person who shows mercy can stand without fear at the judgment. How many of you want to stand without fear? You do not want to tremble at the judgment. And God said, you know what? You show mercy to others when you stand before me on that final day. I'm going to show mercy to you. But if you refuse to be merciful to other people, guess what? You know? I'm not going to be as quick to give mercy to you. It is directly linked to how merciful that you and I are are on earth. I want to just mention one more reason why we should be merciful, and uh, it is this, because it helps us to become a much happier person. Some of you are here this morning, and you're like, Jeff, I'm not happy. Here's what I would encourage you to do. I would encourage you, and start with the Beatitudes, just start with the Beatitudes, But I promise you, I promise you, you know, you would be so much happier. You heard what Sean mentioned. You know, all these examples when God says, if you'll do this, I'm going to do that. That's what God says. You do this, here's how I'm going to bless your life. And if you follow what God wants you to do, you're going to be a happier person. In fact, this is what Proverbs, this is not on the screen. Proverbs 14.21 says this, being kind or being merciful to needy people brings happiness. And friends, unless you somehow have lost your conscience in a bet somewhere, you're never going to feel good about yourself if you treat people mean. If you treat them cruelly, if you're rude, if you're harsh with people, you're never going to feel good about that. You feel happy when you extend kindness and mercy to other people. Look at this verse on the screen. This is Proverbs eleven seventeen. Your own soul, look at that. Your own soul is nourished. Your own soul benefits when you're kind. Same verse in another translation says it like this. A merciful person helps himself. 
So we, we go to this fifth beatitude, and God is saying, blessed is the person that is merciful, because at the end of time, they're going to receive mercy, but they're also going to receive mercy while they're here on earth. And I've talked to you about why we should be merciful. We need to be merciful because God was merciful to us. We need to be merciful because God commands it. We need to be merciful because we're going to need it when we stand before God on our final day. And we ought to be more merciful because it's going to help, help us to become a happier person. Now, that is why why we ought to be merciful, but another question we ought to ask is this one, is who should I be merciful to? A really, really important question, and I want to give you real quickly here in the last few moments, I want to give you several groups of people, and I'll just mention them quickly, who we should be merciful to. Number one, we should be merciful to people that need a fresh start in life. I can't speak for you, but I can tell you in my case, I've needed many do-overs. I've needed many many mulligans, second chances, fresh starts. I've needed it from people, and I've especially needed it from God. Ephesians 4, look at these two verses up on the screen. This is Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says this, stop being bitter and angry and mad at others. Don't yell at one another. Don't curse each other or ever be rude. Instead, be kind and merciful and forgive others just as God forgave you because of Christ. You see, you and I are going to mess up. You and I are going to, we're going to blow it. You know, by the way, let me, let me add this caveat before I move on. I want to be the kind of church, I, I, I think we are this kind of church. I hope we are this kind of church. I hope we will always be this kind of church when people who have blown it and messed up feel welcomed in our church. Are you with me on that? That people that are needing second chances and people that are needing do-over, they're not, they're not going to come and, and feel like, you know what, I already feel horrible about myself. I already feel self-condemned. I've already judged myself. I'm already feeling pathetic. And, and now I just feel it even more so having come to church. I don't ever want that to be true of us. But I don't want it to be true of you either. You just think about it. What if somebody, and we're going to do a timeout because I really, really want you to get this. Think about this for just a, a moment. S- take any person in your sphere of influence, in your hemisphere, your relational hemisphere. If that person, if somebody in your life, whoever that may be a close friend, maybe a family member, maybe somebody you work with, but somebody who really blew it, somebody that really needed a fresh start, I want you to think about this in regards to yourself. Would you be a person that they would seek or would you be a person that they would shun? It would all be based on whether or not you're a merciful person, whether or not I'm a merciful person. So who should we be merciful to? Firstly, we should be merciful to those who need a second, uh, who need a fresh start. Secondly, we should be merciful to people that are hurting, merciful to people that are hurting. There's a massive amount of hurt and pain in this world. People that have experienced rejection, people that have gone through loneliness, people that are ill, uh, who have poor health, those who are depressed, those who are, are filled with fear, those who are insecure. I want you to read this verse with me. Everybody, let's read it together. This is Proverbs 3. Everyone, whenever you possibly can, do good to those who need it. Do good to those who need it. Always remember this. Another time out because I really, really want you to get this. Really want you to get it. Please hear me. Mercy is not just something that we feel. Mercy is something that we actually do. Everybody at some point or the other feels merciful, but not everybody is merciful. 
It's not just something that we feel. It is something that we do. And maybe you're thinking, well, Pastor Jeff, I would help some hurting people, and I really would, you know, but I just don't know anybody in need. There's nobody in and around my life that has a need. Then you know what I'd have to say to that? Then you're not looking. Then you're not looking because all around you are needs. Physical pain, emotional turmoil, financial crises, spiritual trouble. Uh, sometimes somebody will speak it to you, but other times, if, if you're keen and aware and discerning, you'll see it evidence in their countenance. And when we help people who are hurting, God says this, I not only want you to help them, I want you to help them with a good attitude. How many of you know if you, know, if you demonstrate an act of mercy, but you got a lousy attitude, that's not really going to reap the blessings of God into you. Here, I'm doing this because I'm supposed to. I'm going to help you because I'm obligated to. God bless you and leave me alone. That's it. That's not the right attitude. Romans 12, 8 says, show mercy, and when you do so, you do it cheerfully. That same verse, by the way, I love the way it reads in this translation. It says, if you work with a disadvantage, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. This is what it says. Keep a smile on your face. So when you're merciful, do it with the right attitude. Here's a third group that we should be merciful to. And and this one, I'm just telling you ahead of time, this one is going to absolutely be a challenge. All right? I'm just telling you, this one is not easy. By comparison, this was much much more difficult than the previous two I've mentioned. And that is be merciful to people, not just that are hurting. Be merciful to people that have hurt you, people that have hurt you. This is not easy. How many of you can say you have been hurt by somebody else at least one time? Would you just lift your hand like this? All right. How many of you are like me? Uh, You'd have to raise the other hand, and if you can balance yourself, at least one leg, and if you can figure it out, both legs. You know, just, uh, hey, you've been hurt. Everybody's been hurt. But we've got to be merciful. We've got to be merciful to people that have hurt us. So let's say, for example, you know, you've hurt me. I I know you wouldn't hurt me. I, I hope you wouldn't hurt me, but... I wouldn't want to hurt you. But let's just say, and not because it it just happened or because I was, uh, you know, a highly sensitive kind of personality, but let's say that you, listen now, that you intentionally and maliciously hurt me. You did something and you knew when you did it, it was going to hurt me. And the reality is in a moment like that, I have and you have, if if it were to happen to you, you have two choices you can make. You can say, well, you know what I'm going to do? I can either forgive and demonstrate mercy or I can retaliate. I can, for, are you with me on this? You've hurt me, and you've done it intentionally. It wasn't an accident. You've done it maliciously because you fully intended to hurt me, and, and now I've got to react in one of two ways. Here's what I can do. I can, I can forgive, or I can retaliate. I can show mercy, or I can send Michaels, that's Shawn Michaels, over to your house. Even the score. But if I were to do that, that would be a total human reaction and not the way of Jesus. What does Jesus tell us to do? This is what he says. Look at it on the screen. This is Luke 6. I want you to look at it here with me. He said, love your enemies. This is Jesus. Do good to them and lend to them without hoping to get anything back. Then you will have a great reward and you will be children of the Most High God because he is kind even to people who are ungrateful and full of sin. He's kind to people like that. So you do this, you show mercy just as your father shows mercy. Let me give you a fourth group, and we'll do it quickly. Who should we be merciful to? 
those who are outcast and rejected. And that's a lot of people. Now, I'll just tell you on the front end of this one, you've you got to be a really secure person to do this. If you're an insecure person or if you're sensitive to criticism, you're going to find a way to duck out on this one. And can I just tell you, it is not just people who are in middle school and high school who ignore those who are rejected and outcasts. I'm telling you, this is my observation. Adults are pretty good at doing the very same thing. And, you know, in contrast to that, Jesus was a pro at reaching out to people that had been rejected and people that were outcast. He put on a clinic. People who were marginalized in, in, that, in that time, who were just sort of set aside, who were, you know, outcast. And there were categories of people. There, people would always avoid lepers. People would always avoid prostitutes. And they would always avoid tax collectors. And, and Jesus included them. He intentionally built friendships, bridges of relationships with people just like that because Jesus never intended to exclude them. And, and I know what some of you could be thinking, and I'll just mention this quickly. Well, I know why some people would, you know, treat uh, lepers as outcasts because they were afraid of being physically contaminated themselves. And, and people rejected prostitutes because they didn't want to be associated with that kind of lifestyle. But why would they, you know, why would they treat tax collectors with contempt? It was very simple, and I, I will not belabor this, but in Jesus' day, totally unlike our day, what would happen if a person was a tax collector? Now, they may have to collect a certain amount of tax to send back to Rome, but let's just say that this tax collector was coming to you, and you owed $1,000 in taxes. Well, they probably would not collect 1000 from you. Let's say, for example, they would collect 5000 from you, and you couldn't do anything about it. You had no recourse. You had no court system that would support you, so they might would collect demand. 5,000 of you, send 1,000 back to Rome, keep 4,000. People hated tax collectors, except for Jesus. And he included them. Look at these verses up on the screen right here. I want you to take a look at this. It's what Jesus said, Matthew 9. While Jesus was having dinner, this is an actual event that actually happened at Matthew's house. What was Matthew by vocation? He's a tax collector. Many tax collectors and sinners came. Other tax collectors with Matthew. Sinners came and ate with him. And his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire what? Mercy, not sacrifice. For I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Let me give you one last group and then we're done. Who should we be merciful to? Those who are not yet believers. Maybe you grew up in church where in subtle tones or maybe not so subtle tones, maybe in glaring tones, you were taught to steer clear of all pagans. Stay away from all pagans because that's only going to mess you up. And I had a great, great home church. I have no complaints about the church I grew up. But there was a sense like, you know, you just, you got to steer clear. But then I had this dilemma because when I would read the Bible, it seemed that Jesus went to great lengths to hang out and build relationships with people who are totally different from them. If you take this seriously now, it's going to get you criticized because some people are not going to understand why you hang out with some people and you're not participating. You don't support them. You don't endorse their lifestyle. You don't blend in to say, in order to be really cool and reach this person, I've got to... Per-. No, you don't have to do that to love somebody. You, you love them where they are. You reach them where they are. Let me show you one verse and we're done. One more. Look at this one here on the screen. 
This is Paul, and he's talking about his life, who he was before he came to Jesus. This is his pre-Christian state, and this is what he said. Paul said, one of the greatest leaders outside of Jesus there ever was, he said, even though, and he's pointing to his past, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown what? I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. And I'm just saying, I run into a lot of people that are far from God, but not everybody that I know far from God just says, I hate God, and I don't ever want to have anything to do with God. A lot of people, that is not their struggle. Their struggle is ignorance, and I I do not mean that in a condescending way. It's their spiritual ignorance and their unbelief. And I just think how many of them could be like Paul who said, you know, I was steeped in stuff that was so bad, so horrible because of my ignorance and unbelief. But I'm so glad that in spite of that, God extended mercy to me. Can we stand for our closing prayer? God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this wonderful morning. It's a wonderful worship that we've had to glorify you, to hear Sean's testimony, and God, to challenge men and women here, young people here, to just be so radically devoted to Jesus. I I just thank you, God, for guys like Sean and so many others that can be tough guys and passionate followers of Jesus all the same. Thank you for your word. Help us to be merciful. Help us to be a church that eagerly embraces people that needs a fresh start, a do-over, a mulligan, a second chance. And help us to extend mercy, God, knowing that one day we're going to stand before you and we're going to need an enormous amount of mercy from you. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. I love you. God bless you. See you right back here next week. Don't miss it.